bringing you another special episode about APE teachers and uh, strategies and resources that we're doing during the pandemic, uh, during this coronavirus, and trying to continue to service kids and even just professional development for APE teachers because obviously during this time, um, all of those things are quite at uh, a dearth. There is a dearth of that stuff. That's a good word. But yeah, and I have Brad Wiener here, and he is from Montgomery County Schools, and we are going to talk a little bit about, and, and Brad is a former uh, Shape America APE Teacher of the Year. He has a wonderful website called My Physical Educator, uh, where he shares a whole bunch of awesome resources on adaptive physical education, physical education, and physical activity in general, and he also has been making a lot of other resources during this pandemic. And so, Brad, real quickly, uh, tell me a little bit about your role first. So I'm an adaptive physical educator who currently works at a school that serves students with multiple disabilities, uh, kindergarten to 21. And then at the school, there's also a preschool population. So I am uh, serving children ages three to five with developmental delays. Very cool. Now, what I would like to know is how has the pandemic, the recent pandemic, uh, affected your job? Yeah, it's been a quite a change for me. And at first, it kind of throws you on your heels. It, I feel like it threw the whole country on their heels. And um, it was a challenge. It made me think creatively about how I was going to serve my students, really without direct contact with them. Uh, my home has become my office and also my classroom. The equipment I use are objects that need to be found around the typical home. So I no longer have all the specialized equipment that I was used to or that nice room. Uh, so it's really, it's forced me to, uh, it's challenged me to be creative. Let's let's kind of continue. So so you are delivering services then, uh, continuing to to kids with disabilities. I am currently delivering services through something that's called distance learning. Uh, this is through the use of online technology and also phone calls. So I kind of consider myself more of a consult to the parents who are now responsible for providing their child those direct educational supports and uh, learning skills. Is that how a lot of your delivery is occurring, like via the parents, or are you meeting still with the, the kids a little bit too? Uh, so with the student population that I have, uh, they are there when I'm on the phone, but it's really through the parents. And I think this has to be very individualized. Um, for... The classroom teachers that I work with, if they have, they are meeting with their parents and the students one-on-one, -on -one, and they are delivering uh, live via Zoom uh, education. I have over 120 students 
And it's really not possible for me to sit down for 20 to 30 minutes with each and every student to deliver a personalized live education. Where that would be ideal, there's just unfortunately not enough time in the week. So I am finding that I am delivering recorded lessons um, to the parents and then I am getting on the phone with the parents to support them in their, their needs. Parents that are uh, a little bit better with technology are able then to provide me video uh, of what they are doing with their child. But that is a range of how well my parents are good with technology. So um, yeah, there, there's the ideal way. And then there's the, the best way that I can provide the service. Overall, I think parents are very appreciative. Uh, they like that I am providing them resources that they can go to at their own personal time because parents are very overwhelmed, just like teachers are overwhelmed in figuring out how to present the material. Parents are overwhelmed in the fact that some of, if you have three children and one computer, three children now have to learn using one computer or just if three children now are getting their education and you're one parent, you have to figure out when am I going to support my third grader? When am I going to support my kindergartner? And when am I going to support my child that has a moderate to severe disability that's 18? Yeah. And so um, really teachers have to be flexible to the parents' schedules, um, especially for the, the students that I have that rely on support so greatly. Um, and they can't just sit down to a computer and get that education. So it's really on us being flexible to support the parents. They are overwhelmed uh, and presenting them information when they have the time to look at it and then do it with their child is the best method that I have found. Absolutely. So I provide my families with weekly lessons uh, that are shared to students with and without adaptive physical education services. And this is shared on public websites. So we'll talk a little bit about your resources in a minute, because I think a lot of the things that you're maybe making for your, your parents, you're also providing um, to the larger community. Like, so real quick though, I want to talk a little bit about IEPs. How are you conducting and monitoring uh, IEPs during this pandemic? I have, um, for students that have adaptive physical education services, I've developed what I'm going to call hidden websites that are individualized for each student. And they're hidden in the sense that the only way to access them is through the URL website link that is not shared with anybody but the parents and the classroom teacher. And what is on this hidden individualized site is the student's objective or goal that they are currently working on. I don't want to present a whole lot to the parents because I know that they're overwhelmed. So if a student was currently on the second objective, working towards that goal, I presented them the second objective, and then I presented four different activities that they can practice at home to support the growth towards that skill. 
The page also contains uh, a form that asks the parent, do you have any questions? Do you have any concerns? And what have you seen? So state your pro progress essentially. Like what the statement is, I saw my child do this, or my child did this, and then they complete the sentence. So it allows the parents to then provide uh, feedback or connect with me because communication a lot of the time right now is one way in the sense that I'm presenting information, but I need to make it a two-way lane. I need to be able to figure out how my parents are then going to uh, communicate back with me that best works for them. And so I've been communicating with my parents a lot through email and phone. Uh, a bunch of parents had said, uh, don't call me because again, they're overwhelmed. Email me so that I can do it at my own pace. I think, yeah, I think finding that, that communication method that people like is probably best because um, I think you'll have the opposite too, right? Um, and so, are, and what are you planning to do right now for future IEPs? So in the state of Maryland, they had pushed back IEPs. They kind of put them on hold until April 15th. So they said, you're not going to be out of compliance but April 15th, you need to start uh, conducting your IEPs and any that were planned to occur prior to this date, you need to have first. And so IEP meetings are going to occur uh, utilizing uh, Google Meet or Zoom. So it's gonna be using an online platform. Uh, parents will be sent their five-day doc, so they'll have a physical document at home because it'll be sent via the mail, they'll have their five-day documents uh, while we're doing the meeting. And the meeting will occur the same way it normally does. It'll just be kind of over the phone. Um, we have something called a language line where we can have somebody that speaks the, the parent's natural language on the line with us to help translate. So again, April 15th is when our IEPs will continue to, our, our IEP meetings will continue to take place. There is a difficult situation that everybody in the country is having, and that's with uh, evaluations. Because if you know evaluations have to occur where you test the child and you're with the child. And so people throughout the country are asking, how are they gonna do evaluations? The method that I found currently to be the best is to uh, do a review of the, the lifelong um, file. So any file review, any testing that was done prior, review that testing. So if they had physical therapy testing or current, oftentimes if the student is transitioning from infant Todd into the school age program, they do a battery of tests that normally contain gross motor. Uh, you can then do uh, an interview of the parents. So you have your test and then you ask the parents, the, does your student do this, this, and this, or does your child do this, this, and this? And finally, you can take your observational data. So those three things can then give you the information to recommend to the team.
Very interesting. Very interesting how you all are adapting to this. From talking to you, what's impressive to me is that this is like really the, the first time I'm hearing about this stuff, um, about teachers putting actual IEPs and such in action. And, you know, a lot of what I've been hearing just is like, you know, we don't know, we don't know. Uh, and, you know, that's me maybe just being a higher ed person now and not being like having my foot in the, uh, on the uh, ground. But, um, you know, it's, it's cool that you all are trying something because I do worry about just, and I, I worry especially about the kids that you're talking about, the kids that have severe and profound needs uh, and don't have supports, maybe have other siblings and parents are overwhelmed and may, might be dealing with unemployment and things like that right now. Um, so it's cool that you're trying to continue to give them services and quality services and doing the, the great things of an IEP. Uh, and I know we talked about this in a prior conversation, but like, you know, like compliant, like IEPs are not just about compliance. Um, they're about drafting and creating a quality education program. Uh, so I think it's really important that you all are doing that. Um, but I'm going to transition now and I do want to talk about some of the resources that you're creating. Um, will you, now I know you've created kind of a lot of resources over the last few weeks. Can you highlight some of those uh, different resources? Yeah, so uh, it started by just me having like a personal need and question of how I was going to address that need, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I first created a website for my parents of students with multiple and significant disabilities, thinking that those students were at the greatest need because I also have students that are preschoolers, but my thought process were at least preschoolers are able to move and most likely moving on their own. So my first task was to address how I was going to support my students with significant um, disabilities that need support to move. And it started uh, simple um, and grew as I went along. So I had a background knowledge in using Google Sites, that's how I created my own professional website. And so I felt that if I can present my parents with visuals, uh, that would be the best way for them to comprehend what I wanted them to do. Uh, because if I just write it down using words, then you have to translate the words, or sometimes there's different education, and so not all my parents may be able to read what I'm presenting them. But oftentimes, if I can present something that they can visually see, can rewind and watch again, that would be the best support. So um, it started very simple in creating a website for my, my parents and identifying how do I, what do I give them? And so I decided to say that there should be a warm-up or a stretching component, knowing that stretching is extremely important for my students. And then uh, mobility. And then how am I going to support my parents in having my students be as mobile as possible? And so I thought floor exercises. So when I go to mobility, getting my students out of their chairs, because that's probably where they're sitting most of the time, but encouraging my parents to get them on the floor and helping them to uh, support my students in moving on the floor safely, right? Working on body awareness and strength and flexibility. Uh, 
And then I thought to myself, okay, what about object control? Because I do a lot of object control things. Yeah, I play great games within my physical education environment, but it's going to be hard for them to recreate all those games. But what I always focus on within all my games are those skills of grasping and releasing, reaching, uh, pulling and pushing. So how can I help my parents uh, support their child in continuing to grasp and release and reach and pull and push? Uh, so I created a, a site that, a page that was focused on object control. And then I didn't want it all to be, uh, I wanted them to have fun with their child also. So I created a page that was specifically on games. So, right, they, they can uh, go to my website that is public and they can uh, look around, they can share the website as is, but oftentimes we need to personalize things for our students with disabilities. So my suggestion would be is if you like one video, to take that video and share that video with the parents or take that one video and put it on whatever platform you're choosing to use. Mm. That's, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's exactly what we need to do right now. We need to use templates. Because obviously those templates are not like a, not just those templates. Don't just be sending like that template to parents, you know, like you give them uh, that additional things that are for them. Absolutely, Brad. Um, Brad, do you have anything else you want to share uh, about this time or, or things going on or resources that you have? Uh, so... One of the things that I haven't discussed yet is the fact that uh, Maryland is doing something that may be unique throughout the country. I haven't heard so much about it, but we are working on something called distance learning plans. And in my mind, these are plans that uh, are a combination of the infant family service plan with the home and hospital plan technique. And these distance learning plans are a combination in the sense that the infant family service plan gives a lot of power to the parents to determine what goes into that plan. And the home and hospital plan has it where the plan is directed 
to occur at home. So these distant learning plans take the current IEP and the parents say, this is what I can do at home. Uh, and the, the educational staff support them in the home. So if a parent, or if there was a goal on the IEP that uh, was around behavior or socialization, and that child no longer had that same socialization ability to uh, socialize in that same context, that wouldn't go on to the distance learning plan. At the same time, if a student had a dedicated assistant working one-on-one -on -one with them in the educational school setting, that is something that the school setting can no longer um, supply because of COVID-19 restrictions. So this distance learning plan is only in place uh, during this COVID-19 epidemic while we cannot be in school. Upon going back to school, the IEP that was currently in place would then take effect again. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting way to think about it. Uh, I believe I'm in favor of it based off what I know, thinking that um, this is a plan that's going to work for the parents. Now, some parents may choose to say, I don't want to adapt to physical education on this distance learning plan. And that's where I personally have taken, I'm being an advocate for adaptive physical education. And that's why I developed those um, individualized web pages for my parents, because now my parents can see, oh, this is something I can do at home. It's not so bad. Okay, adaptive physical education can be on the distance learning plan. And so now adaptive physical education is on the learning plan because I provided that support to my parents that they, to take some anxiety away. So I'm not sure if this is happening throughout the country, but it's something interesting that's happening in Maryland. I'm sure that every state's doing, trying to do different things, but I know some states have completely canceled as well. So, um, but yeah, I think it's very interesting either way. And now Maryland State currently is preparing to go back on April 24th. However, at any point that can change and they can close us for the rest of the school year and we can continue this distance learning. So for me, thinking in the future, I'm trying to think of if this does extend, how can I take what I currently am doing and improve it to, again, support parents, because that's what I'm here to do, right? Support the parents to serve their child as best as possible. Absolutely. Uh, you've said it very well. And uh, Brad, thank you for coming on the show and sharing some of like your experiences during this, this crisis, as well as uh, sharing and creating resources uh, for people during this crisis. I really appreciate you coming on and doing all that. It's always a pleasure, Scott. All right, man. Thanks, Brad. Take care. You too.